Welcome to the Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy, the free podcast for motivated teachers and school leaders who want to inspire their students and school community in literacy learning. Make sure you subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast player, and for more amazing literacy resources, check out the show notes provided with every episode. Hi, I'm Sharon, and I'm the host of a Teacher's Toolkit for Literacy. In every Toolkit episode, we bring you specific resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. Firstly, we acknowledge and pay our respects to the Ghana people, the traditional custodians whose ancestral lands we gather on. We acknowledge the deep feelings of attachment and relationship of the Ghana people to country, and we respect and value their past, present and ongoing connection to the land and cultural beliefs. Hello everybody. Welcome everyone to our podcast and in every episode we Try to bring you resources, tools, strategies, tips, techniques to help you in your job as a teacher of literacy. It's all about helping you develop as a professional, where you make the choices that affect you in your classroom for the betterment of your students. We've had a lot of downloads for um, our Teachers Toolkit Literacy podcast and lots of members for our Facebook group. And so we'd love you to join. Um, welcome to any newcomers that have come on board. Um, that's where you can really interact with us a little bit more than, um, you know, during the week. So that would be great if you could come and join us on that. We love hearing from teachers on the diverse reasons why they're joining. Um, they're just wanting to have lots of support in literacy and um, a lot of people finding uh, these avenues a great thing, aren't they, Sharon? Yes, I'm just loving the diversity of um, so many pre-service teachers and how exciting to have them on board because we all know that those are the times where we're really trying to build our repertoire of knowledge of all the things that we can do in our teaching. Um, and I love that being part of the group, there's going to be experienced teachers who are going to tap in and um, provide that support as well. And I love that there are leaders, literacy leaders, principals who are part of this, who are also not only asking really great questions, but who are also contributing back to the group as well. So I love that as a profession, all we're all in here. It's, yep. it's, that really excites me. And that not only primary, but we've got a lot of secondary yep. people as well. And so I feel so – I just feel – so excited and privileged to be thinking that there is this um, this great community wrapping around each other here um, yeah. in this learning and in this learning event. I mean, uh, someone wrote in and said they're using some of the podcast topics for their st- professional development for their staff meetings. Oh, Just well, we amazing. Yes, yeah. look, we absolutely, you know, we want to. We we really feel. I mean, the reason we're doing these podcasts is because we really feel that we've ha- – I've probably said this before, Phil, mm. but if people haven't heard that podcast, then it's new anyway. But um, They can always fast-forward this bit. Y- yes, or put it on that extra speed that you can, yeah. you know, where it goes faster. Um, you know, how privileged we have felt over our career, and we've really dedicated – We've been so interested in learning. We've dedicated a lot of time and resources um, to our own learning. Mm. And we are just so wanting to um, 
to share that with people now. Like, we well, just I think can't we, help but talk about it. I think it's giving back to the profession what the profession has given yeah. us such a rich experience all those mm. years in classrooms and yes well still with, we're still working in classrooms yeah, um, well, that's right we're not yeah. we're not at the end yet <laughs> so we are pr- practitioners as you are and we are here to help you as a practitioner because you know it's a practitioner speaking to a practitioner yeah. Yeah. and not only help but to explore things you know that's oh, yeah. a lot yeah. of exploration and thinking you know because we we know that the profession it's about thinking and creativity yeah. and owning. And also, Sharon, um, we don't know it all. We are <laughs> wanting to hear from people through the Facebook group about the fantastic, amazing things you're doing because um, we are a real community here. Yeah. We're learning from each other. Yes. We yeah, learn we, from the company we, we keep. keep. That's it. And that will always be our mantra because mm. that's, I suppose, that's what we've always been trying to do is to keep learning like we're not sitting here thinking okay we're done we've learned everything there is to learn we are absolutely still learning and I love not only learning from other teachers and mm. leaders and learning from the kids as well about yeah. what really works for them what what they bring to it and how we can so many times underestimate mm. what our children are bringing yep. so this is all voluntary what we're doing and it's <clears throat> heart to heart our ourselves um, giving to you, and uh, <clears throat> that's there's no other agenda. There's no commercial commercialism or um, other reason for why no. we're doing this. So yeah. yeah. Anyway, back to um, oh, I guess we'll just start with a bit of a chatty ramble, Sharon. Yes. Um, <laughs> we had a big weekend in Clare in South Australia, which is a lovely wine growing area, yep. uh, the Clare Valley. And uh, we wine making, maybe even wine making, and we <laughs> went for a few days and sampled the wines and had a great time up there. Yes, uh, walking, walking, lots exploring. of very hot weather though. It was yes, you know, over fan forced oven type weather, yeah, for, over forty <laughs> degrees. Yes, but a lovely area. Anyone who's coming to South Australia and now that people can move around a bit more, come to South Australia and uh, go to the Clare Valley area mm. and um, enjoy all that it has to offer. But um, what about you, Sharon? What's oh um, well, actually, there's one thing I would just love to share about that weekend. So, yeah. in visiting, um, you know, all those different wineries, I was fascinated in each place about the labels, and not only graphically, but I wanted to ask the winemakers or the um, people at the cellar doors, like, yep. what inspired, you know, where did the ideas for labels come from? So, hearing. The story, you know, I'm always on about story. I love to hear the stories. And so, you know, one of the winemakers talking particularly about um, how family history and heritage named, you know, became the names of some of those wines, but then just down to things like you know, the sheep in the paddock being, you know, the ones keeping the grass down, those sheep make you know, make it into um, the label of one of the wines or down to um, another winery. I'm not sure. Am I allowed to mention wineries? Or yeah. is that being? Anyway. Yeah, um, so that was at Sussex Squire. So there's a rich family history of um, not winemaking but um, of living in that area and so therefore those names become part of 
um, what the wines are called. But um, at Shut the Gate, um, this really intrigued and appealed to me because um, they looked for stories that referenced shutting the gate. So, of course, in Australia, on the land, it's important to shut the gate Mm. when you leave your property so that um, the cattle, sheep, whatever, livestock can't get out. Um, But they have a series of wines that um, reference three stories, one for love, one for fear, one for bravery, and they all end with the term shut the gate. So, And those stories are on the label. So, of course, my love of stories is just completely piqued then by the fact that they view story to add a whole new dimension to those wines. I'm not so much the wine drinker, but love the story that will sell me <laughs> yeah yeah fantastic yeah no that was a great weekend so um now our podcast sharon um yes. we're all about building professional knowledge um and i just wanted to talk a little bit about saying how over our time as teachers we've kept building and building and building our knowledge rather than a model of um try this out try this program and then we'll chuck that out and try a new one next year and then, you know, have that model of, you know, just wipe everything out. Mm. I've loved the model uh, in my teaching throughout all these years of just, you know, bring in something that is working and then if something, you know, there is something that's not so uh, working so well, I'll, I'll won't use that bit, but it's not chucking, not throwing everything out. No. You know? But I think what you're also getting to there is that over time we do try more things and we do find out that some things – it's about building a repertoire. Oh, okay. I think it's yep. that repertoire of yep. things that we can draw on and use as a teacher because we are – there isn't going to be one thing that's going to work every day for every child. No. We need a re- that repertoire of okay, why, what can I, how can I support this child more? What and how can I be informed yep. about those things and not necessarily um, deflect that to okay, someone else fix that or this program will that program fix it? Shall we just do mm. that? Because then I have to think about what 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 are they missing then? <laughs> When they're not, if I'm just abdicating that elsewhere. So that was a very clumsy way of trying to explain that I think we, you know, along the way in our teaching, we are building repertoires, but we also need to be critical of what we are allowing ourselves to be asked to forget about altogether. Yeah. And what we're being asked to do that might compromise how much we can do of other things. You know, there, yeah. there always needs to be, well, for me, at this point in time, I want to be looking at the Australian curriculum across all of those content descriptors and saying, okay, am I still able to draw in all of these things? Well, I don't want to just focus... Uh, now just on this one bit and that takes up so much of my time 
you know, that yeah. I want good repertoires of things for covering all. But um, one thing that um, over time that did stay consistent with me and that kept developing strongly within me and then I, readings would confirm this yeah. was our timeless teas. Yes. Because I would find – I always go back to, oh, well, you know, we still need tantalising texts and we still need to be together in our learning and we still need to be um, having true tasks and we still need to have transformative tracking – um, those kind of don't change, do they? No, that's that's really great to bring it back to that because they are. When I said we need to be critical, like we need to have mm. something to um, as a as the professional to have some kind of lens to be thinking. Mm. Um, what. What are those things that I am going to keep? What is valuable? How does how does that connect with, um, and how do I ensure that there is, mm. that or there are those you and, know for us? And our seven timeless T's may not be perfect. It might be that ah. you know people uh, say there's a there's an eighth one or there's a you know nine ten eleven or whatever. But I think you know just to even think this way is really valuable to say I'm an authentic teacher. I'm a professional. I have got these um, principles that really do empower me and my classroom. And, and my students' and learning. And my students' learning. And, you know, a little quick fix program uh, doesn't, you know, if that doesn't fit into those principles that I've got, well, it's not, you know. Yeah, although sometimes there are things we're asked to bring in. Yeah. And I think that's today we really want to talk about something where sometimes there are things within our scope that we are being asked to do or our expectations, but that doesn't mean that that's the only thing that we're then doing. We, mm. you know, our, we want to think about how the timeless teas in our instance, mm. how they can still play out. Even when, because I don't think there's ever been a time for any of us where there haven't been some constraints or what we might see as constraints about what we need to do in the classroom. Yeah, we were constrained, so, um, you know. Yeah. And we had to work around things. Yeah. So I guess um, we are going to talk, our topic today is the art of crafting the reading workshop. But Sharon, you're going to have a, a little bit of an emphasis on you know, if you can't do that totally, like we're going to talk about it in your classroom, uh, there are ways around it. Well, know? there's ways to implement, and when we talk about what we mean by reading workshop, there's ways to implement that with all other things going on. Yep, yep. Yeah, so it's not, it's this or that. It's not the reading workshop or, or what you're doing now. Or, yeah. You can, it's, yeah. There's how, how does this... Um, how can we have these sort of core elements of a reading workshop? How can they exist in our classrooms? Because actually this existing within our classrooms will really enhance everything else that's being, that, that is being done. We've just got a little ahead of ourselves, but that's okay. <laughs> Let's just go to key question one, which is, Sharon, oh, what yes. have you been doing in the schools this week or last week or recently? Typical of us, isn't it? You know, yeah. it's like jump into the next thing yeah. and here I am going off track again. Right, yeah. this week, oh, 
amazing last week. Um, always a pleasure. So I've uh, ran two workshops um, over two days for on the first day for two um, schools and on the other day for three schools. Um, the workshops, you'll see um, something very familiar here, but those workshops I called The Art of Teaching Writing Through Literature. So that was, these were before school started, so this was such a wonderful way to work with teachers um, in a workshop type setting that we did um, about how we can begin or how we can think about the writing adventure for our students when that's done through literature. So, And I like the way you say, say the art of teaching. Yes, yeah. because I'm not talking about, you know, th- the use this or use that. It's about how how we construct that. Um, you know, as teacher, we're making those decisions. So teaching about, is a craft where we, yeah. um, as the professional, we craft our lessons. Now, yeah. Sharon, um, you uh, split it into three chapters. Yes, yeah. yes. So I did actually have a fourth on that day. I'll tell about two, but the three chapters... I like that I divided it into chapters, actually. You'll probably see more of that <laughs> as we go along. Um, but for this workshop, the art of – well, and this will be a podcast at some point for mm. sure. Um, but I did divide it into um, – so chapter one was if we're teaching um, writing through literature, chapter one was the importance of reading aloud. Chapter two, the importance of learning to read like a writer Mm. or the importance of reading like a writer. And chapter three was on being a writer so that we're all saying we're all all part of the club already and, and we're doing it. It's active. We are... As, as student, we're doing so much writing and because we're reading like a writer and hearing such good literature, such good um, text, that we are really empowered to operate at very different levels. This really elevates students' writing. Anyway, that was just the workshop. I feel like I'm launching into a whole podcast on that topic, yeah, so yeah. let's not do that. No. Um, So that's great. And without further ado, we will go... Oh, sure. So I could make a connection there for us to lead into that. But I get so excited about preparing workshops for teachers because I I just want to focus on that word workshop for a minute because we're talking about reading workshop today. And, of course, that term workshop suggests something. It suggests that when that it, we're active in it. We're not just having something presented to us. Otherwise, that's a lecture mm. or a tutorial. Or um, But workshop really, and, and that's what um, it su- suggests, active learning, and that that's through a mix of new information and of doing, of thinking, of sharing confusions and um, mm. misunderstandings of insights 
under, um, puzzlements, new ideas, wonderings, reflections. So when we know that in a workshop we can experience those sorts of things, that's why I've, we've called today. And the, word, the term reading workshop won't be new to most people and you can Google reading workshop and come up with a lot of things. But today we want to talk about the notion, the idea of how can we have children engaged in a workshop model of learning as readers. Yes, because um, in a previous podcast with Rob Vingerhoots, we talked about the workshop model and, mm. and in numeracy and then how it connected with literacy. But we're really going to go deeper into that um, whole workshop model idea and spe- yes. especially in reading. Yes, yeah. and the for one of the following podcasts will be we'll talk specifically about the writing workshop. Yeah, because so. there is a reading workshop, there's a writing workshop, um, and the word study work uh, weaves into both of those, doesn't it? Yeah, well, that's yeah. Let's that's oh, another whole. <laughs> I'm jumping the gun. Pod- podcast, yes. Yep. Not that uh, I want to cut you off. No. All right. So, um, without further ado, we'll get into the art and craft of the reading workshop. Now, Sharon, what was the teaching struggle in this? What what drove All right. people to want to get into a reading workshop? For me, it was simply that as I was teaching reading, I I thought <laughs> I really. Number one, I don't seem to be inspiring children to be readers in the way that, and this was when I I had in the first two years of teaching, you know, I had a year one, two class and I had a year six class the following year. So both ends of, you know, I was so disappointed with myself that I didn't seem to be um, moving children into you know, really wanting to talk about their reading or be really engaged in it or um, want to recommend books to each other or talk about it with each other, um, you know, that it just seemed to be the way that I was teaching it, which at that time was a very lockstep process with a class reader because I'm talking about in the... Um, 1800s. <laughs> Yes, thank you. <laughs> Close to that. Yeah. Yes, keep me light, otherwise I'll start crying here for, <laughs> you know, what I did to those poor children. Um, but that's okay. I mean, I was doing the best that I could, but I was very aware that I really wasn't inspiring children to – I wanted them to love reading. I wanted them to choose mm. reading as mm. – um, and so – um, you know, I really wanted them to choose, to burn to read rather than, do we have to read? Do we? I didn't want that. No. So that was a struggle for me where I thought, okay, that's that's not their fault. There's something that I'm doing. There's clearly I'm not, I'm missing something in the way that I'm teaching here. So I actually took responsibility about that. I didn't go, okay, well, that child's got a reading problem because I haven't seen them grow as a reader because they don't read, you know, any day or, you know, they're having such a struggle with this text, etc. So I really wanted to take responsibility. I started reading more about the teaching of reading. 
undertaking professional learning and then I began to try new things. And so in trying those new things, that's what we'll talk about. I'll describe some of those um, in further detail. But I came to what I come to understand now is that those elements that I was taking on are now commonly described as a workshop model. Right. So, and those elements, so we want to talk today about what we mean by a reading workshop and why the reading workshop is value, what its benefits are and how we develop those three selves through the reading workshop. Great. Okay. So where do we start with this? All right, so let's just jump back to like what do we mean by a reading workshop. So the workshop model is generally, so when you Google this or um, read about, you know, professional reading, you will find that a workshop model usually consists of three components. So there would be, and I'm talking about a workshop as in um, in the school setting, so it would usually consist of a mini lesson. And we've had a session, a podcast on just mini lessons, yes, which is yeah. fantastic. great. Yes. People can go back to that. That's right. So the mini lesson and the mini lesson um, a com- part of the mini lesson that is often not put in there is that a mini lesson in a reading workshop would always have at its heart literature mm. and text. Yep. So a read aloud or shared text, shared large in, text. Shared in large, shared in large text. Yes. Yep. So it, you, you can't – a mini lesson – can't be devoid of text because in the mini lesson it needs to be showing what a showing and exploring what a good good reader does and to do that as teacher I need to do that through text I can't teach what readers do without it so that's an essential part of the mini lesson so whilst the reading workshop we talk about you need a mini lesson it has to have yep. has to be linked to text. Yep. Otherwise well, And preferably quality text. Literature. Yep. Yes. Rich text. Yep. That's going to um, rich or what we refer to as tantalizing text. Mm. It's going to allow children to have an emotional response to it, allow them to learn about their world, themselves others so it's not just there as a teaching tool it it always remains that bigger picture it's literature it's Mm. it's rich tantalizing i want to be there in that text because that text is teaching me so much about how to be a full and lively reader just as an aside here is it's more than a mentor text would you say? Uh, now, by mentor text, do you mean? Well, can you explain that? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, good question. Yep. And actually, I think we meant, might have mentioned in, this in the mini lesson podcast, but this is worth mentioning again. That we can sometimes think, all right, for this mini lesson, I want to teach this in reading. Now, this will be a common thing that I hear. Okay, I want to teach 
making connections as a, as a reading strategy. And so what I sometimes hear people say is, oh, so I've got to find, what text will I use for that? What, I have to find a book where we can make connections. Oh, I'll Google that. Good books for making connections. We don't need, we use the books if we've got older children and we're read, we've got a read aloud on the go, that's the book we're using. Mm. If, or a picture book that we might have come across before or we might not have come across before. Mm. But it doesn't need, I don't need to find a special book. A special mentor book? No. no. For making those connections. Mm. I actually need to go, all right, how... I I know my readers best here and I want them to learn more about how to make connections to help them have better understanding in their um, as they're reading so what what am I going to bring to them to do that so I'm not going to go hunting for something that's so disconnected from their lives they can't even make connections to it the books I've got in the room that we might have read before or like a picture book we might have read before or um, poetry or text, read-alouds that we've got on the go, any of these things. Every book is a great text mm. to use. I don't have to and, – and I have worked with a school where we had to move away from planning lessons and having these strategies we want to teach and always going, what book are we going to use to teach that? What book? So across a week, we might have five different books mm. taking an excerpt from each of those books. That's not, mm. that's not helping to grow readers. That's just pulling text from – that's what a lot of programs will do. We'll pull extracts of things mm. and then we work with that to highlight a particular strategy. Which fits, so, in, fits in beautifully to just having a book on the go all the time or two books on the go or a, a shared in large text going um, that they we read over and over and yeah, a, a read aloud we have over and over. And just from those ones we've got going, um, we can draw, draw out those um, you know, elements that we want to teach. Yes, yeah. So – and – and revisiting things when we need. So if we've got a big book of poetry and mm. we've been reading things, we can revisit something there because I, we don't want that mini lesson to now become a maxi lesson. Mm. We want the book to do the work. We want that book to bring us exactly what we can use as readers to to learn how to, to do this. The other really important point about not having attaching a strategy to a particular book as soon as we do that that's letting that's saying to kids well it works with this book but I've got no idea whether it'll work with yours or not mm-hmm. we need our readers to know that these strategies are what we use no matter what book we're reading yep so so what whatever book we're working with in or books we're working with in the class and what we've got access to in the class library we want our readers to know that, oh, the book I'm reading, wow, I can apply that to my mm. my book. You know, it's going to work. So that's the, that's the importance of um, the literature, the text in that 
So that was such a good question. I'm so glad you took us. We didn't go down a rabbit hole. That was a really good mm. thing to sometimes, ask about. Sometimes I do come up with some good questions. <laughs> I thought you were going to say sometimes you take us down a rabbit hole. Yeah, well, that too. You know, Sometimes we never know where it's going to go. Anyway, let's get um, on. Yeah, yeah. so three, back to the three components. So yeah. the mini lesson. Yep. Um, and then following a mini lesson. So this is the thing. I'll talk the three components first. Mini lesson, independent reading, and In- then independent reading. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tom. Oh, this is this is what happens when you do two podcasts in a day. <laughs> That's right. Um, independent reading, and then the opportunity for reflection and share. Yep. So they're the three components: mini lesson, independent reading, reflection, share. Now. This model, this workshop model, is really built on a recognisable theory of what people will know as the gradual release of responsibility. Mm -hmm. So that the mini lesson is allowing the two and with. So during that time, reading two or and then we get practising with and that's all happening through text. That so could be a, a shared in large text or yes. through the read aloud. Yeah, or look at, yeah. just listening to the read aloud, what I'm yeah. thinking as a reader, mm-hmm. and it's happening. And I'm not overkilling that. I'm, I'm bringing it to attention and showing how that works and allowing. So say I've got a read aloud. So I've got you five sitting in front of me. I'm bringing to their attention... Um, Maybe let's just say I'm seeing the influence of dialogue on what that's teaching me about what kinds of what things characters are you know their motivations or how they're acting really um, you know inferring type things. So as I'm reading and I might have introduced my mini lesson by saying, okay, I just want us to listen you know to this bit and. You know, I read it out and I can say, so good readers will actually use the dialogue to think about, oh, what's that telling me about that character? What's what's it telling me about their feelings? What's it telling me about their motivations? As I keep reading, I want you to keep practising. So they're actually getting a chance to be active within that strategy as I keep reading, I'm not creating a worksheet. I'm not creating a – I'm creating a true task. I'm letting them do that work and practice it During the mini as lesson. I keep reading. Yeah. yeah. So it's a with where it's they're working a, yes. with you on almost a rehearsal of yes. a, a, what they're about to do in their independent time. Yes. Yeah. And because we're doing that together as a class, then there's that opportunity maybe we want to discuss a little bit of that before we move off. You know, how did that work for us? What did we learn? What did we find out? What Mm. was the character's motivation? What was Mm. the – and so all of a sudden I'm seeing already, oh, my goodness, those those children there, yeah, they've got that. They're they're really – 
I've, I can see there's a couple, three, four here who haven't quite got that yet. Mm. Is it worth me today, as everyone's going off to their independent reading, is it worth me just holding those four to just do a little bit more with them so that they've so they're just that bit clearer on it, so that they've got that to take back with them. Mm. Or isn't it a worry today? Let them go and practice. I don't have to fix every – I don't have to get them 100% on this. They're in practice mode. They're in learning mode. Mm. So you're, yeah. not, you're not putting them into a group. You're just allowing the ones that are not quite there yet to stay with you and yes. the others are yeah. going off to their independent work. Yes, the independent reading. Yeah. So the independent reading part. Now, there's there's something I'm going to um, mention here. So this idea of having children reading independently, or the, what we call independent reading, what some people might call silent sustained reading or uninterrupted silent sustained reading or um, drop everything and read, that kind of people may have labelled it different things. I just want to make the distinction that this is, and I'm going to, because one of the teachers that I've been working with asked, um, well, actually after one of the workshops last week, wanted to know, she said, "Um, can you just, I'm hearing conflicting messages about this. I've been told, you know, is it... Is it it okay? Is it okay to be having them read at school? Because some people are saying that's a waste of time. Now, our discussion revolved around, like, if there's one thing, no matter what else is happening in your reading program in the Mm. classroom, if you want students to transfer the teaching that you are doing and the learning that they're trying, if you want them to transfer it, it has to be for them to actually practice that as they read. Yeah. Yep. It's like um, having a mini lesson on how to ride a bike and then you can actually have lots of time to go and ride your bike. Yes. Yep. Yes. Because if I don't have somewhere to practice it, where does that learning go? Like how does learning to ride a bike just stay in my head? Mm. Mm. Until you actually ride the bike. Yeah. And all that trial and error, you yeah. won't get a chance to... So, musical yep. instrument, apply it to anything, yep. sewing, um, cooking, whatever. We need to be able to to be doing it, to be active. That's what a workshop means. It means that I get some information, some new learning. I see, you know, I've got someone doing that with me for a bit. Now I've got the chance to go and try that. And I like the idea that it's not just like, you know, in the old days we'd do silent reading and, you know, it was just everyone choose a book and off you go. Uh, it's much more purposeful because you're connecting to the mini lesson. Yes. And yep. you've got a strategy you're going to apply in your um, independent reading and then you're going to actually talk about it towards the end. Yeah. So everyone's accountable that we're using these strategies in our reading and we're – Learning through that. So it is very focused. It's not just yeah. silent reading time. And engaged. Yeah. You know, this is about what good readers are off to do. Yeah. This is what I'm trying and constructing it as good reader is a great way for if you um, use learning intentions. 
Yep. Start your learning intention with good readers. Yep. Good readers do this. Good readers do that. Have it up on a chart, an anchor chart. Mm. Have it visible. Have it as something, ah, oh, that's what I'm doing. That's, And I don't need a new mini lesson every day of the week. Mm. But I do need a touch-in with everybody, a check-in, you know, yep. with people. But what every, what every child every day does need is that opportunity to practice their reading yep. and and have – these are like goals. These are – you know, we try to get kids to set reading goals. Like let's help them know what it is that they can be doing as a reader that become their goals. Yeah. And it's also um, – I must add it's um, mostly just right reading. That's the other thing is – during this time, what they're reading is just right. Books they've chosen for themselves and they've, they're stored. They're in a book box or a book bag or a book wallet. They're not just, I'm just randomly collecting something. Good readers are working their way through and finishing books. They might be rereading, they might be our younger ones, two, three, four, five books that they might be reading during that time. Our older ones, we keep them going through yep. text. So it's so every day I know what it is that I'm off to read. Yeah. I'm not just and that's where the um Silent reading time, for want of a better, let's just use that as the generic term for the moment, mm. that we know the downfalls of that for those children who don't know how to choose books, can't find books that they're interested in, don't finish books, um, who aren't reading during that time. And then every now and then that silent reading time is attached to, well, it can be silent reading or it could be silent drawing or it could be this. And then that's we're talking about a different time. We're not talking about you might be using that as a calm down yeah, kind med- of time. Meditation. We're talking about your teaching a workshop. Yep. Yeah. The reading workshop. Yes. This is absolute gold quality time. Yeah. For the teaching of reading, it's not silent reading. Yeah, this yeah. is absolute gold. Yeah, um, what you're doing. Isn't yes, it? yes, and this gives purpose to whatever else you're you're doing in that in your reading. You know, in your literacy block in that reading time, and you might be saying, "Well, I haven't got time. I can't fit this in." This. This is a core and fundamental piece of that reading time because they have to have the place to apply and practice yeah. and learn how to be the good reader. Yeah. So it's it's explicit yeah. teaching. Yeah. It's differentiated in the text. In the text because children are reading the book that is just right for them. So they are doing the work that is just right for them at this point with that just yep. right book. Yep. And let's go on a bit to during that independent reading time, we'll call it, yep. and we'll distinguish that 
from silent reading and say independent reading, it's very different. Yeah. The teacher is actively finding out during that time where those children are as readers yeah. and, and supporting them because so, that also feeds back to the mini lesson, yeah. isn't it? Yes. Yep. So this is my time where I can really know what children are doing as they are reading is now. And I can do that through three ways. I might, I've already mentioned one of those, I might hold on to that little group who I can see need a bit more support. And so before um, I, whilst everyone else is set to go, so there's routines for that reading workshop, everyone knows what it is that they do, collect their books, find their place, settle, um, that so that small group is one way where I can find out some more about those readers and what they're doing and I can move them on a little bit. So with a small group that I've just been aware of right there and then, they need some more. Or yesterday I did a little bit of work with them. I'm going to hold them again today so I can do a little bit more, get them a little bit mm. further. I'm not, going to t- I'm not going to hold them for long because they need most of that time to go and read for themselves. Now, the two other ways I can find out, I can have one-on-one conferences with children, and who am I going to confer with? On an equal schedule, probably not. There are some children I need to check in with more regularly than others. But like that little group I held, there might be some that I have got, you know, that I'm targeting, saying, right now I need to... I'm going to have a one-on-one conference with these five children every week. Um, my roving conferences are another real – they are my most vital of um, conferences because as I'm moving a roving the room, I can be watching and seeing what children are doing And I can just do a bob down next to children as they're reading. I might say, just read me a a little bit of what you're doing today. Great. Mm. I've just listened in. Mm. I have a checklist. I'm always running around with a checklist, just a class checklist. And I want to see on that checklist that as I'm roving over a week, I'm going to try and I'm going to touch base with everybody in some way. Mm. So roving conferences are a really easy way for me to be on my feet and just listening in because I can pop down next to anyone and just listen in to a bit or I could be observing. I might have for, um, particularly for my year threes and up, I love using, um, I love using a reading calendar but it could be a reading log So that might be a collection in their reader's notebook of the books that they're reading. But it's not just the books they've finished. I I get them to write on a reading calendar. What did I read today? How many pages or how much time, you know, did Mm. I really focus on my reading? How did, you know, I might have my reading goal on there. Check against that. Now, all I need are those reading calendars open on the table during the independent reading time. I can do a roving conference. I can look in on all of those reading calendars and go, okay, 
right, Gabby, you're, you seem to be having trouble finding a book because I can see every day you've started mm. a new book. Let mm. me help you mm. get, you know, a just right book now. Let me yeah. do yeah. that. Or it might be, you know, someone's not ever finishing books or they're ready to move on to, you know, they're always reading the same kind of text. So that's a really quick way for me to to rove. Yeah. Now, at the end of that time, and how long is that time going to be? My younger ones, I'm going to try and push for 10 minutes or longer. Mm. I might start with 10 minutes, but I need them to have, I need every child every day to have, all the research tells us that the good readers are, that's what makes them good readers, it's how much they are reading, how much they're practising, how much they are doing it. So there's my, um, you know, 10 pushing it up minutes. My mini lesson, five minutes. What am I up to? 20 minutes of reading, I'm up to 25 minutes. My reading block time, you know, I've got, everyone's got uh, 50 minutes on that. I've used 25 so far. Share reflection, I say that actually only needs two more minutes. Mm. And those two minutes might be, I have noticed children doing some things and I do the share. I say, oh, Phil, today, you know, I just popped in with you. You were having trouble finding a book to read. We found you a book. Just right. tell everybody what it is. Fantastic! You're away. I've taken thirty seconds. I can do two. I can do two or three more children yet. Notice this. Can you tell us this? Can you tell us that? Mm, mm. Or I might bring or get everyone to do a turn and tell. Yep. So Phil, join with Sharon. Phil, you've got sixty seconds to tell Sharon about your reading today. Just talk about what did you love about what. What was your story about? What did you love mm. about it? Mm. Or what what did you discover in yep. your reading today? Or it might link back to the mini lesson. How did that help you yep. in your reading today? So all these things are so interactive with each other, aren't they? The mini lesson, the independent reading, yeah. the sharing reflection, yes. they all help each other yeah. as, in a, as a workshop would. As a workshop does. And we talk about those, well, I always talk about that, that independent reading, the way to think of that really differently from, say, silent reading and drop everything read type reading, is this is wrapped with teaching and talking and learning. So we wrap it with a mini lesson and a reflection share. So mm. it's not just sitting in isolation. No. It's sitting with the community of learners all around us yep. and the teaching and the talking about it, all wrapping that practice that we're doing. Yep. But absolute workshop, that, like that is a workshop structure. Yep. So, um, so having said that, those elements, um, like whilst when I first made that shift – you know, in the 1800s, you know, from the way I mm. was teaching to that, I didn't know that it was a workshop model, but I had those elements. Yes. You, now, didn't, you didn't have a name for it. No. Mm. And and that's what 
um, you know, so we're not bringing this to people today saying, okay, so um, you need to do the workshop model. What we're really bringing to people is saying, if you're teaching in this way that allows every ch- what it does is allows every child every day mm. to read something they choose. To, and this is from Allington's Every Child Every Day, but yep. to read something they choose yep. and to read with understanding and accuracy because that's what my mini lessons and my conferring and focus groups, that's what, that's what it's focusing on. That's what it's driving. Mm-hmm. It's driving all of those things. Every child should talk every day, should talk about their reading with peers, so the yep. share builds that in every child every day should hear an adult a fluent adult read aloud so this is connected to text yeah and the sixth of allington's every child every day is write something personally meaningful so in a reflection if i was going to get them to jot something in their reader's notebook which we did a podcast on yeah yeah We would, yes, we did. Sorry, Mm. I've forgotten that. Um, We would get them jotting about their reading, you know, like, yeah, what did I discover today? What, what was new, what new and interesting things did I find out? Mm. What, what did I absolutely love about my story today? Whatever. So, but they should be meaningful things, not questions in response to. And that's when I, when I started using that workshop or those elements of the workshop model, what we now know as workshop model, I thought, okay, that's what shifted it from kids really being uninspired mm. and resisting reading and really not doing it to all of a sudden I'm going to lurch right into those three selves becoming self-motivated, self-directed, because I was letting them in now on all of the, like, what is it that good readers do? I can direct that now. I can make that my goal. That's how what I can practice. And self, did I just say directed or regulated? Both of those, I think. I mean, self, oh, sorry, self-motivated, self self-regulated and self-directed. They're the yeah. three, aren't they? Yes. Yeah. So I can build all of those things and I love – um, towards the end of last year, someone said, like, how do I get those things? And I thought, wow, that is exactly, that was really the question that I was chasing down mm. way back when. I thought it was as a teacher going, oh, I'm really not inspiring them. But what I was really after was those three things, yep. self-motivation, self-regulation, self-direction, because they're the things that are going to sustain a reader beyond me you know that's where i feel okay if i can get that right then i feel like i've and that's the importance of the reading workshop that's what um enables this to happen yes yes and i love that that is knowing that's what the outcomes are you know that that's you just if you've got those those elements so as i said if you're thinking oh well how do i even you know, I've got to do all these other things. How do I fit that in? Mm. Everything else you're doing will be, your teaching of all of those other things will be transformed. 
Mm. When students can use and you'll be able to bring those things, you might have done, let's say you're, um, you know, through, um, you know, some of the frameworks or programs that you might be using in your classroom. Let's say there's something that you've, um, you know, been asked to do on that day. Well, then, all right, so make the connection to that in the mini lesson. Oh, okay. So we can be asked to do something that's uh, almost... That a, might be a bit scripted or a, might a part be of a, a program or whatever. Yes. But you can bring that into this. Yeah, um, and show them yeah. how does this work when we do that in our um, reading. Yeah, it's almost like I remember working in New York where we'd, we'd have a tech, textbook of uh, maths uh, problems. Yes. And we'd show them how to turn those around into being an open-ended problem rather than a closed problem. Yes, yeah. Um, so it's a similar kind of thing? Yeah, well, I think this is – well, what it is is it's about saying, okay, so these – I've been trying, you know, through these other things, I've been trying to teach you some skills or strategies mm. that mm. readers use. Now I want to show you how that works. In a, in a, re- in, in a reading workshop. Yes, as, and how that works. I, I don't need to show you too much. The biggest thing is you need time to practice that as you read. Mm. Because I can't that we need we need to chase down at least you know this twenty minutes of children having the opportunity to read mm. every day yep. like that is if if we don't have that in there, all our other things are going to fall flat yeah they're going to fall flat completely flat for every child who doesn't read at home and doesn't read for choice. And we know that this workshop model will, the biggest difference it will make is for our most striving readers. But it makes, it still makes big difference for our thriving readers, but our striving readers we will see more growth there than anywhere. So if we are in a situation where our school, our district uh, wants improvement in reading, these components, this, this, this showing and sharing through text what good readers do, that time to practice and the time for reflection share, you you cannot but help see the difference that will make. Yep. Now, each of those components in that uh, reading workshop also have tools. You've mentioned some of the tools. Yes. You know, there's tools in the mini lesson, there's tools in the independent reading time, there's tools in the share. Yeah. Um, do you want to mention any, any of those before we move off now, do you know, or? I reckon, have I, let me just do did a little Did you talk about anchor charts? Check those back. Ones, yes, I think I did. So that yep. anchor chart, a good reader mm. chart. Mm. And you don't, this is that thing, you don't need to, like you don't need to go looking for mentor text. You don't need to go looking for anchor charts on any no. resource make, site. Make your own. Make your own. It's good writer, uh, good readers. What is it that you're teaching in that mini lesson, what are you yep. teaching to do? So that can be anchored. Yep. 
and that's there for us to, like I said, we might use that, you know, it's not just a one-off lesson that we're doing about that Mm. or we may be able to in our other part of our reading time, there may be some connection we can make to that. Yes. So that, you know, we're anchoring the things that we are um, making visible and making evident to. We've got to move on, but maybe we could make a little list of the tools that are uh, specific to each of those components. I think I've pretty much mentioned everything. So, yeah, I don't think there's... All right. Um, So, Sharon, um, we might... Um, sum up there and just say um, maybe people could try, if they haven't tried it teaching this way, maybe give it a bit of a go and then write back to us and tell us how it went. Love to hear and any questions or um, happy, you know, to hear that. But it it is actually, all I can say is it's like jump in, have a go. You know, it's... And and your kids will absolutely thrive on it. And actually, <laughs> I'm just looking because um, I will mention it in the tools. I have, uh, yes, the tool that I've used that will I'll mention that will be a support for people. All so right. yeah, um, I love the way in, uh, you also at one stage wrote, um, "Let's take the plunge confidently, intentionally, joyfully." Oh. And you were talking about that with. Kids going into their independent reading, yes. but that could be the same yes. as teachers going into this teaching in this way. Yes, go in yeah. intentionally, confidently, joyfully, and you could weave in what you're already being asked to do. Yes, but you know, have this time where the kids can actually yeah. use the skills. Add this is real value add. Yeah, to not replacing, know, not replacing, and if it's already a part of your. Um, uh, you know, you're already running a reading workshop. Yeah. We would love to hear about to it. hear about that. And there may be some of the things that we've talked about that add on to that. And we'd love to hear your thoughts on that too. That um, because there's this will be the other thing that um, teachers will sometimes say to me is that oh you know isn't the reading workshop it's all just a bit loosey goosey mm. you know it's not that's where that intentionality yeah is there the mini lesson mm. is ordered it yeah. is every day it is structured yes um there's but not overdone but not overdone yep but and it's coming from sorry and coming but coming from what we know about our students i would never have my mini lessons planned no, but More coming from the Australian curriculum and yeah. how, what you know about your students. Yeah. But it's not, um, as someone has said, um, we're just learning by chance, you know. Yeah. Which is no, a terrible thing. It's feeling. not that. No. And when I, I didn't finish that sentence where I said I would never plan my mini lessons, it sounded like that was the full stop. I do plan my mini lessons, mm. but I don't have them set for the whole year. Like, I don't know what order I'm doing these in, but I. I'm very um, intentional. intentional that I'm looking at what word-solving strategies am I teaching, uh, yes. what fluency strategies am I teaching, yep. what summarising, what monitoring and correcting or fix-up strategies am I teaching, yep. what – and modelling, 
you know, through text, all of this being modelled, what adjusting strategies, what comprehension strategies, predicting, visualising, making connections, inferring, mm. what am I enabling and teaching about that critiquing and analysing and having preferences and talking mm. about my understandings about things. So I have a big map of what are the things I'm going to mm. cover, um, but it's... I, I just thought too, Sharon, uh, when you talked about fix-up strategies, if people don't know what those are, mm-hmm. on the Teachific site there are some uh, resources there. Yes. Yep. which we could put a link to in the uh, Facebook group maybe. Yes. That would be good. Yeah. Um, and maybe a, that could be a resource we highlight in um, one of our newsletters. Yes. We do have a weekly newsletter coming out. Yeah. So we can highlight that there. Good idea. Fix up strategies. But yeah. there's a whole lot of other things that we're teaching during the year and yes. it's all very yeah. um, intentional. intentional. Mm. And, um, yeah, no. Yeah. And, of course, that's linked to the Australian curriculum. Yes. All of those things I've talked yep. about because when we look – and this I'll wrap myself up by saying this – is that when we look at the Australian curriculum and it says – I'm going right to comprehension strategies. It starts off, use comprehension strategies. Using is all about the workshop model. Yeah. Using is, as I go into my independent reading, I am using. With my Just Right book. Yes. Or reading processes. Yep. You know, use reading processes. So this is is what the Australian curriculum is asking of us. And another great resource we've found a bit more explicit in the actual skills that you teach is the Founders of Benel Continuum Continuum of Literacy Learning. Yes, yeah. So that's a really great resource. Yes. Now, we do need to move on. Um, Key question two, Sharon, what's a good tool that you've used with teachers in classrooms? Okay, so last week in the workshop um, that I did, um, the the Art of Teaching Writing Through Literature workshop, um, I gave teachers um, a resource and I'm going to – we're going to put this one – this will be um, available. There will be a link for this on um, the newsletter that comes out with this podcast. And that will be – make yourself a note of that, Phil. Yep. <laughs> so, I'm just doing it. <laughs> um, so if you were interested in um, launching some of these reading workshop components, I've got a little list – of what I'm calling what I call good reader mini lessons. And I've got a list for foundation, a list for year one, a list for year two, three, and a list for year four, five, six. And there's about, I don't know, ten to twelve mini lessons there that I think well, teachers in doing their planning last week with the writing found um, I had for them the reading and the writing workshop, mini lessons. So we'll put mm. up the reading ones this yep. time and when we do the writing workshop, okay. we'll put up the writing workshop. But just how we can launch it with that, how we can talk about it with kids and what kinds of mini lessons can get us going with that. Yeah. So I'm hoping that will be 
um, that's a free resource that will be yeah, watch, available for watch people. Watch out on our Facebook group and the blog Yes, uh, for those things. So, he, sorry, I'll just give mm. one example. So it will be like, you know, good readers try what the teacher has demonstrated in the mini lesson. Yep, yep. That's a good beginning one to <laughs> yeah. do, isn't it? Yeah, so that's, oh, so I actually have to, I'm doing that during this time, yeah. not. Yep. So we make those thin things intentional yep. and that's building that workshop concept. And Sharon, uh, yes. key question three, what's a tantalising text you've been using recently? Oh, well, this one, also used this one last week, a non-fiction text. And as I think I've mentioned with um, when I did Highest Mountain, Deepest Ocean, um, there is a really wonderful new wave of fictional uh, non-fiction texts that are making their way into our bookstores. This one is called The Wonder Garden by Christiana S. Williams. Now, I love this. They've got the illustrator first, then written by Jenny Broom. Now, this book is just a feast of illustrations, but with text. So the little subheading, Wander Through Five Habitats to Discover 80 Amazing Animals. Now, this isn't a Where's Wally book. (laughs) This is... A beautiful information text. Um, and I'm just going to take from um, so the five habitats that they have in this book. So, absolutely stunning map of the world at the beginning with animals, creatures, flora, fauna everywhere through here. So, we've got the one I'm choosing today the Great Barrier Reef. Oh. A little nod to mm. Australia. Um, by the way, it's a beautiful cover. I love it. Oh, beautiful and cover. And and look at there's so there's about three double pages. So it's a it's a bit bigger than an A three oh maybe about an A three size book. It's quite large. I might just put a um an image up on the Facebook group. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Or a couple of images. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Thanks, Phil. Mm. Um so this one um so the great heading, so for the Great Barrier Reef, it's start with the Great Barrier Reef. Um, the next heading on the page is World of Colour. A, a world of vivid colour, invisible from above, reveals itself beneath the surface of the water. Here, in this beautiful biosphere, ornate fish and interlocking coral rely on one another for survival. So we've got this, you know, and that's in, in quite big font and some variety in font, which is another lovely feature of this book, is the use of font size um, and, in fact, the change of font at different types, times. So then we've got uh, listed here on this page, so there's four different, featuring four of the creatures, the tube-dwelling anemone. Then it's got its Latin name beneath, with its tentacles waving gently as the waters ebb and flow This tube-dwelling anemone is on the hunt. The alien-like creature partially buries itself into the seabed and constructs a fibrous shell around itself into which it retreats if it feels threatened. It reaches out its tentacles, which are coated with millions of tiny stinging cells to paralyse and eat a passing victim. I did have to practice that bit because anemone can... I can get my tongue tangled around that one. Now, that piece of information is surrounded by the most magnificent illustrations, 
detailed illustrations of the different types of tube dwelling, what the tube dwelling anemone and others mm. look like. Mm. So there is, um, as I often talk about, this is one of those books where you just want to read the whole page. Yeah. Now, Sharon, how, yes. um, there's lots of different ways you could use that in a in the mini lesson of a reading workshop. Yes, yes, indeed. Mm. So, I mean, we haven't got time to go into all those no, ways. But. but in a reading workshop, because it's mm. a non-fiction text, yep. look at all the things I can draw attention to. Mm. So if I'm reading non-fiction, I mean, look at where do we find headings? Mm. Where do we – just even looking at, like, how I read those sentences with all their punctuation and all this, you know, the beautiful, mm. complex sentences that – I don't need to break them up into – I just need to know the author's showing me how to read them. Mm. Mm. But, you know, how can I do that to get, you know, that richness of meaning? Like that was two sentences for all of that information about the tube-dwelling mm. anemone. Yep. Um, what it means, you know, to have, you know, this – we've got this italic text there. So just quickly, if you were teaching a strategy uh, from this book for the reading workshop, then yeah. when they went to the independent – practice time they would have a non-fiction book to not necessarily no no, no that not this isn't now everyone has to have a non-fiction book to no, be reading no, no. but i might have brought this to attention during because there are features of non-fiction that will also be in fiction like okay. someone will say yep. oh my goodness i've got chapter oh, my book's got chapter titles you know younger mm. children and they'll go mm. I, are they like headings yes oh, you know okay. there's yep. there's all these transference Yes, and yep. it's, um, you know, we might talk about features of text or we might mm. talk about structures or language features or, and this mm. all falls, you know, within that category of, um, or I might, I might teach how we do a summary. Yeah. We read this bit, how do I summarise that? Mm. Today, when you do a turn and tell, summarise what you read today, yep. whether it was fiction or non-fiction. Anyway, today I love that we've um, given a real. Um, that you don't like the word structure, but um, no, I don't. A, a reading. Why don't you like the word structure for work, the reading workshop? Because I would have never said that I was following a particular structure, okay. but I, what I would have said was I have got components that are essential yes. to this connect these connected components, yeah. like they're intentionally linked with each other. But and and when I say structure, I always feel like someone says, okay, so let me see the structure of what you're doing. You know, it sometimes that that can look, you know, it should have some flexibility yeah, yeah. about it. It limits you. Yeah. And yeah. I would never, I suppose I don't like it because I don't ever want people to think that, it's got to be done. The, sounds like program. It's got to be done the same yes. same way every day. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. x x number of minutes on this and x on yeah. that. And yeah. and what if you know I'm I'm just saying you know if a mini lesson goes for six minutes because it needs to, fine. Even though I'm aiming for five, but but then what if it just goes for two? What if it only goes for one? Because all I need to do is say, ah, oh, we're on our strategy that we did yesterday. How's that going? Let's and what, let's going, and I've got more time for reading. Yeah, and what if the share comes first? And what if exactly? What if the share comes first? 
what if the share, I've absolutely done this too and this probably happens more in the writing workshop, my share is dotted throughout the writing oh, workshop. Yes. Very powerful. Yeah. Mm. So I, I like to think of it more as the components. That you put together in your way. Yes. 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 I'm making as the, professional. the professional judgment yep. Yep. about, because this is all pedagogical. This isn't driven by the order or the... And we're not trying to make a program out of this that we're going to sell? <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Not at all. Anyway, thank you everyone today for listening and we've uh, loved doing these podcasts for you and please, please subscribe and give us a rating if you get a chance. Please write in via our Q Learning website on the con- Contact Us page. Uh, subscribe to our new weekly newsletter via the, the website as well. And subscribe to the podcast. Um, it's all about giving you an insider's guide to teaching, really great teaching. Yes, yeah. and building repertoires. Uh, That's my new my new thing yeah. that I really want to. Because you're the professional yeah. and you're developing your own repertoire. That's yeah. what we're on about. Yeah. yeah. Actually, rather than saying the workshop structure, yeah. we could just say a repertoire of – the workshop repertoire. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. somebody might write in and think of a <laughs> I know, better here title. We, are. We, we do chat away a lot. And just know, everybody, that long past the long after the podcast is finished, we are still chatting away. <laughs> <laughs> tragic, tragic. Yes. <laughs> um, now, the word teacher in another language. I'm going to go to Finland and we're oh. going to do it in Finnish. Opetia. Opetia. That's the word for teacher yeah. in now, unless somebody from Finland can uh, correct you on correct that. Me. I don't, this is this is your thing every time. I'm really not sure I'm saying that correctly. Yeah, but yeah. you know what? Mm. You're having a go I'm and you're ex- go. I, what I love is this is actually exploration for you. Yes. This is and it interests you. So, you know, and that's in all of this, you know, we need to be doing things that are interesting and engaging and build that confidence and excitement and joy and wonder. Thank you, everyone, for being with us, and bye for now. (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the podcast. To make sure you don't miss any literacy learning tips and insights, please subscribe to our show on your favourite podcast player. At Q Learning, our literacy specialists draw on over 30 years of teaching and international consulting experience to deliver world-class learning solutions. We equip, empower and support teachers to become their authentic selves. To find out about upcoming webinars and about how Q can help you and your school, visit qlearning.com.au. And you can get even more amazing teaching resources right now at teachific.com.au. Stay tuned.